Welcome to the Courageous Overcomers Podcast. I'm your host, Courage Molina. I am so excited that you are here. This is our first official episode, and I ain't gonna hold you. I'm just gonna get right into this bio. Today's guest is very special to me. I absolutely love her. Um, there was a time where I didn't really wasn't really feeling her, but these days, like she is one of my favorite people. I'm inspired by her, encouraged by her, and I thought it would be great for us to hear her story first. All right, so let me get into this bio. She is a strong force making waves in the world of faith, empowerment, and purpose. She is the founder and pastor of Bold Faith Community Church, author, course creator, and host of Empowering Podcasts. She is a true beacon of inspiration for those seeking transformation. As an, as an empowered author, she has made a lasting impact with her powerful book, Power Principles of Courageous Living. This incredible work serves as a guiding light, offering insights into the principles that fuel a life of courage and purpose. She is the visionary behind Courageous Discipleship, she creates immersive learning experiences that empower individuals to deepen their connection with faith. Her courses pave the way for a transformative understanding of the Bible and its teachings in everyday life. Courage Molina is a dynamic leader who embodies purpose-driven living. Her journey is not just about personal success, it's about empowering others to embrace their courage and live with purpose. Get connected to courage a woman destined to inspire, empower, and lead you to bold faith. Yes, y'all help me welcome our first guest, me, myself, and I. Yay! All right, let's get into it. Wow, wow. Whenever I hear my bio, I'm always impressed. <laughs> I know that sounds like super egotistical, but listen, when I hear my bio, it sounds like it's not me. It sounds like they're describing someone else. They're like, she's this and she's this and she's that and she's done this. It just, it is so impressive to me. Like, oh my gosh, that sounds so nice. She sounds so amazing. Wait a minute, that's me. I feel that way whenever I hear any bio, actually. You hear someone's bio, whether you're at an event or on a podcast and you're listening to it, it's always so inspiring and so impressive. Here's why, though, because there is no like they're, they're not including the failures in the bio. It's something I did. I failed. And so did they. OK, but it's not included. You're not putting what you did not do, what you didn't accomplish, what you failed at, where you missed the mark. You're not including that in your bio, your about page. You're not putting that on your resume. Yes, I was fired from this job because I continue to show up late. No one's saying that. People are not saying that. I was turned down for 72 loans. They may say it in their story and in an introduction of themselves in, in close quarters, but it's not included in their bio for the most part. I've never heard one. It's at the very least, it's not customary. So when you hear the bio being read, when you hear someone's introduction, it's impressive. It's meant to be. It's their greatest accomplishments. It is their greatest accomplishments, and that's what you hear. So when I've listened to my bio, I am impressed. I am wowed. But my greatest accomplishment, I feel like my greatest flex, isn't what's in my bio. Although I know that I know the things that need to go in my bio, 
I get it. That's why it's written that way. But the greatest flex, my greatest accomplishment, which isn't in my bio, is who I've become as a woman, as a person. I am a woman who recognizes my value as a child of God. I recognize my value as a human being on this earth and that I add value. I'm a woman who knows that I'm a blessing in every relationship, not a burden. I'm a woman who loves the reflection that she sees in the mirror, in the store glass, walking by reflected in somebody's shiny car. I love the face and the figure that is reflected back at me. I, I'm a woman who is kind and compassionate, who is on fire, who is bold, confident, who is also full of hope, you know, and determination. I love who I've become and I love my life. And that is such a big deal because one, I didn't always love my life. And two, everything's not great in my life. And I have to say that I don't want to dwell on what's negative because I love my life and there are lots of amazing things going on. But I also don't want to give you the impression that the only way you can be in a situation and love your life is if all things are going well. They're not. I live in an apartment by myself because I'm separated from my husband and I have been for like six months, seven months. That freaking sucks. Okay. Um, we have some, we have some family drama with one of our kids. And so they're on the outs. They're not talking to us. They're not talking to their siblings. That freaking, that is horrible. Okay. It is more than just sad. It is actually heartbreaking. Um, I have been a full-time entrepreneur for six or seven years and, um, you know, now I did my most recent launch and it was one of the smaller launches I've had in like the last four years. That definitely caught me by surprise and it doesn't feel good. I could tell you a million things. I don't have a million dollars in the bank. I'm not necessarily struggling. I don't want to give that impression. I don't want to lie because the Lord is listening. Okay. I'm cool. I'm fine. But... Oh, can I, can I say this too? I'm also still very much overweight and not any closer to my weight loss goal than I was when I secretly created it last year. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm still overweight. I'm still not the size I want to be. I still got, you know, roles and all these things. Like I still have all of those things, but I love who I am. I love what I look like when I look in the mirror. I'm like, okay, cute, cute. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you know, I see you, girl. That's part of the problem, but it's the truth. I'm not walking by the mirror hating the fact that I have all this extra weight. No, I look good. I need to lose weight because I'm getting old and I don't want to have to warm up my hips and my knees and my ankles and my back and my wrist. Every time I get up, because I know that God, God has called me to, you know, travel to a global ministry. And I, I want to be able to get on a plane and get somewhere and not be like, oh, but my back, but my this, but my that. No, I want to feel good in my body and I'm not getting any younger. And I know that the better shape that my body is in, the more uh, the healthier choices that I make and all of these things, 
it will make it easier on my body and I will be able to get more out of it. And I want to get every ounce of life out of this body that God has intended for me. I don't want to cut it short. Um, not being in the same home as my husband, us being separated. First of all, I wouldn't even be doing a podcast before I became this woman. I would not be on nobody's podcast. And I'm not saying that because I'm over him. I see, I've seen a lot of um, divorces and separations this past year, like 2023, 2022. And they all seem to be so happy to be free from their marriage. That's not my story. <laughs> I am praying and fasting for reconciliation. This, oh, I saw a clip where a celebrity was like, divorce is like a graduation. No, divorce is like a funeral, okay? It's the end of a marriage. It's the death of a union. It's not no dang graduation. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not of that school of thought. I'm not in that space in my marriage or in my feelings about my husband, where it's like, oh, we separated, yay. No, it's not yay. It's, it ain't yay, okay? It ain't that. <laughs> and so I say that I love my life, even though those things stink, because two things can be true at the same time. Two things can be true at the same time. I can hate being separated from my husband and love living in my new apartment. Two things can be true at the same time. And I've gotten to a place where I'm just okay. I don't have to make a declaration on one side or the other. I used to be so extreme. I guess I'm proud of that too, because I'm not as extreme. But um, yeah, I think who I am, like how I am, that's my greatest flex. I love my family. I love my friends. Um, I give the way I want to give. I show up the way I want to show up. I celebrate people. I want to have fun. I want to go and do stuff, even in this season. And when I feel like crying, I'm crying. And when I'm having a rough time or a rough moment, I'm having a rough time or a rough moment. And if you're my friend, you're going to know about it. I'm not about to be faking with. Nope, I don't have any friends that I need to fake with. Okay? If I do, they're not gonna. it's not going to last because I don't have time to fake. Faking is so much work. And I remember that because um, there was a time where I was depressed. And I, I used to think that maybe my depression or my anxiety was probably the greatest threat to me becoming who I am today. But truthfully, the little seed that got in that just turned my whole life upside down was hopelessness. Hopelessness ushered in depression and hopelessness ushered in anxiety too, honestly. And it's different from complacency, right? Like complacency is this idea that I'm fine where I am and I don't need anything better or want anything better if I have to work for it. So this is fine. I'm happy with this. Hopelessness is this is horrible. This is a dumpster fire. And nothing that I'm going to do or that anybody can do is ever going to change it. That is hopelessness. And I had hopelessness around so many areas of my life. I didn't even realize I just was I just gave up my power. I gave up my power to any and every um, setback. I allowed that to change who I saw myself as to change my identity. And we do not achieve above our identity, whatever identity you accept, whatever, it, whatever it is 
whoever you are, man, woman, child, like whatever, the identity that you accept for yourself puts a limit or creates some boundaries around what you're capable of. So once I was, you know, a failure, then I couldn't do anything outside of that. Once it was like I had settled on something, then I couldn't operate outside of that thing. I was unworthy. Then there wasn't anything that I could do above what I felt like I was worthy of. I didn't deserve anything above my own um, self-evaluation of my worth. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. So whatever identity we accept, that's either going to take the roof off of our limits, it's going to make us limitless, or it is going to absolutely limit us. And for me, it was very limiting. Uh, I did. I wasn't where I thought I was going to be at a certain age. You know, I had these kids young. My husband and I started dating very young, and our relationship was uh, unstable, volatile, toxic, all of those things. We were young, super young. We just didn't know anything, and the things we thought we did know, they were dumb, okay? <laughs> well, our idea of what a relationship was, and when I say young, I mean I was pregnant in ninth grade. I had my first kid in the 10th grade. And I wasn't even 21 by the time I was pregnant with my third child. So we had babies young. And our, that means that we got really serious in our relationship way younger. Like, just take a time out real quick. Do you know someone that's 16? Do you? Can you imagine them taking care of a child at age 16, trying to navigate going to school? Because I still went to school trying to navigate going to school as a 16 year old with a child. Can you imagine, do you know someone who was 18? Can you imagine somebody being 18 with a two year old and another baby on the way? Just think of that person that you know. Do you think they're equipped? No, they don't know what they're doing. No, don't let it happen. You know what I'm saying? Like pray for the kids. I don't know what to tell you, but no. And so we didn't know, like we knew less than nothing. So our relationship was, you know, it was toxic. We didn't know it was toxic at the time, which is probably even more dangerous. It was like, oh, we love hard and we fight hard. We love hard and we fight. We fight. We make up to break up. We break up to make like, it was just dumb. Oh, we Bonnie and Clyde. No, you're reckless and toxic and you need therapy. But we didn't know that at the time. And so that often on again, all that fighting, the arguing, all of those things, I collected those things and added them to my collection of the words that identified or described me, who I was. I was being shaped in the worst moments of our relationship. The worst moments of our relationship shaped me. The worst moments in my life, I allowed those things to shape me. I completely gave up my power. And I'm going to say this just in case it needs to be said. I gave as much as I got. Okay. So I was as toxic. I was as volatile and verbally abusive as anybody else was in that relationship. And so those things stuck with me. And as life continued to go on, I continued to miss the marks that I thought I should hit. My self-esteem and my self-worth just, just started to tank. And I felt hopeless. Things were never going to be different financially. Things were never going to be different between me and Mike. 
things were never going to be different with my weight. I gained so much weight. I was like a size six. When I first got pregnant, I ain't seen a size six since, okay? Or anything close to it. I have not seen a single digit in over 20 plus years, okay? And so that was this hopelessness, right? I'll never lose the weight. I'll never be attractive. He probably feels trapped and just like all of these things. I gained what? Um, I've gained 100 pounds since I started dating my husband. I have gained 100 pounds. That's a lot of weight. And I know immediately there is this desire for us to defend the woman. Well, you should be loved anyway. Well, you never left me because I gained the weight. But how I felt about myself, I projected that out into the world. And I felt hopeless as a result. And it just led to depression and anxiety. And that that right there was the greatest threat to me becoming who God had created me to be. Because I was ready to end my own life. Right? I was ready to end my own life. I was just miserable. I felt unfulfilled in the work that I was doing. I enjoyed teaching, but I didn't go to school to be a teacher. I never dreamed of teaching. I wasn't like, oh my gosh, one day I want to be a teacher. I wanted to be an attorney, uh, someone who was very successful, sharply dressed. By the time I got to college, I was so far from a person who was sharp, going to be sharply dressed. I'm also dressed like a bum back then too. And... Um, it just wasn't good. You know what I mean? It's so it was a hard thing, but when things got the absolute worst was after my cousin was diagnosed uh, with cancer and we were very close. I was already drinking a ton. There are cracks that happen. You know what I'm saying? In relationships, there are little things that you go through in a relationship and they're cracks and cracks and those cracks will turn into sinkholes and canyons. And that continued to happen with my husband and I over time, those little cracks that we created continue to grow. And I also want to say this, that for most people, most relationships that you hear about, you get into a relationship, you both screw it up. And so you break up and then you learn from that breakup and you move on to somebody new and then that new person gets a better version of you, a more healed, equipped, hopefully, version of you. And then if that doesn't work out, then you break up with them and then you go, you know, you move on to the next one. Well, for my husband and I, all of the wounds that have ever been, you know, handed out to either one of us is by the person we're still married to. Do you know what I mean? And we started dating when I was like 14, 15. I'm 43. You know what I mean? We started dating when I was like 14, 15. And so any wound that he has, any scarring that he has from being in a romantic relationship, I gave it to him. He still got to look at this face. And the same is true for me. And so that makes things even more difficult, in my opinion. We did not have this fairy tale you know, high school relationship. Now, listen, don't get me wrong. I'm telling you about all this bad stuff, but there was obviously some good stuff because again, I've been with him since I was 15. And while I'm separated from him, while we're separated and not living in the same house, we are still married. And um, that's still my man and I'm still his girl. So that's just, you know, it's, it's I can't explain it. It's, it's where we are. But that's that's where we are right now. And so all of that to say this. 
that things just progressively got worse over time, not just in my marriage, but in everything with my weight, my self-esteem, when things don't change, when things don't get better, they get worse because things are always changing. I'm going to say it again. When things don't get better, they get worse. That's how it works. When things in relationships and in your life, they don't get better, they get worse over time. And that's what happened to us, you know, and that's what happened in, with my weight and with my, you know, feeling fulfilled. Things did not get better. They got worse. And so I got to a place uh, once my cousin was diagnosed with cancer. I was already drinking a ton. My life was a mess. Everything was a mess. I hated myself. I hated my life. I hated everything about it. And um, I just honestly wanted to die. I wanted the Lord to take me in my sleep. I didn't want to do it to myself. I did get on the verge of doing it. I, I I did leave the house with plans to do it and God intervened. But I was just like this, this. These were my thoughts. Let me just tell you, this was my thought. This life sucks. And I was in my 30s at the time. And I thought to myself, well, you know, my grandma is 80. I could live another 50 years in this misery with nothing ever change, changing the thought of the next 50 years being the way things were then was, was so overwhelming. I was so overwhelmed with hopelessness. I was like, I'd rather just die than do this. And so it was, um, you know, It was a long time of me feeling that way and, you know, trying to keep things together out in public and just completely falling apart at home where I was drinking and isolating myself from, you know, my kids and isolating myself from my husband. It that went on for a good bit. And then after my cousin died, that was like the straw. I just that grief and despair. It was. It was more than I could bear. It was more than I could bear. But I never I I made my attempts the day that I left and God intervened. And it didn't make me feel like, oh, I want to live. I just thought, huh. God intervened? That's interesting. <laughs> you know, because it didn't intervene all this time. I've been praying for my cousin, praying about my marriage, praying about my lady. You ain't did nothing with that. But now you want to come and save my sorry little life. It was just an interesting turn of events. And so I decided to kind of just like go back to, you know, just faking it, really. Just go back to keeping up this facade that everything was okay. Because people wanted me to be okay. Not that they didn't care that things weren't good, but people want you to be okay. They want you to go back to, you know, being happy and whatever. But the truth was, I have been so, I have been unhappy for so long. Not so unhappy, but just unhappy and disappointed over and over and over. I went to college so I could get this great job and then the great job didn't work out, right? I went to college so I can make all this money and then I became a teacher. I know people go to school to become a teacher. I didn't though. Do you know what I mean? So I had this idea of the kind of money I could earn after I graduated from college. And it just, it was just one disappointment after the other. And so 
it had been a long time since I had been happy. And so people were kind of, you know, they just want you to be back to yourself. So I was just pretending. But I had a friend that invited me to church. And so I went to church with her. It was Elevation Church. And Pastor Stephen Furtick preached on um, the expectation gap when God doesn't meet our expectation. And that was the turning point for me. That was the turning point that God could not meet my expectation and still be a good God. And from that, it led me to being in my Bible. And that is probably, let me just think before I tell you all this, because I'm I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm like 99% sure right now. Let me just see if it's anything else. No, it's nothing else. The one thing that changed it all for me was because I was going to elevation and like hearing these sermons every week, it developed in me this desire to, to study the word for myself, to read the Bible for myself, because I thought, well, me and this dude, we basically, I think he might've been born in 79 or 80 or something. Like we're just like a few months apart or maybe like a year apart. We're not that far apart in age. I mean, past the Stephen Furtick. And I thought we're the same age and he's built all this and I got nothing. Like, not, you know what I'm saying? How? And I thought to myself one day, he probably makes really good decisions. I didn't think, oh, he's better than me. He's smarter than me. He's holier than me. I just thought he probably makes really good decisions. And maybe if I studied the Bible, I could make better decisions. And so it was like my last ditch effort to give God a chance. I'm going to give this Christian thing all that I have. I'm going to study this Bible for the first time, truthfully, in my life for myself. And I started dedicating two hours and 24 minutes of my day. I refer to it as my 224. It's 10% of 24 hours. So 10% of 24 hours is 2.4 hours. 0.4 of an hour is not 40 minutes, is 24 minutes. So two hours and 24 minutes, little math lesson there. So I started spending two hours and 24 minutes in the word. Now, at first I didn't do it. I was like, I ain't doing it. This sounds crazy. But there was something that continued to like push me towards it. And so I did. That's the thing that changed my life. Being in that Bible every day, reading it for myself. And I started in, in Old Testament Genesis because I didn't know anything better. I didn't have anybody to ask. I wasn't trying to be like a super saint or a super Christian. I just wanted to know God for myself. Like, who is he? Is he really all of that or is he not? And can this Bible actually work for me? It wasn't on some super, super spiritual type of stuff. It was on some, can this work for me? But as I studied the Bible and read the Bible every day for me, not for flexing, not to show that I was spiritual, God spoke to me through that word. And I saw some of the most ratchet stuff in the Bible. Old Testament, it's like reality TV, BC. You know what I'm saying? It really is. This girl slept with this other girl husband the husband slept with the handmaid the wife gave is is it's wretched and as i would read the old testament i'm like why these church people be acting like these people in the bible was so great every page i turn every page 
the boy killed his brother every page i turned it was somebody acting up somebody not doing what they were supposed to do somebody walling out every single story and it brought into mind like the character of god it really revealed the character of god because he still called those people his people he still did all this stuff for them i'm like well why do people act like if i don't get it exactly right then the lord's not going to do anything for me or I have to be this hey sweet friend type of person to be considered a good christian like all of these things i was thinking about i started saying bump those people I'm going to just read this Bible and see what the Lord says. And that reading my Bible every day absolutely changed my life. That reading the Bible every day changed my life. I wanted to be more like God. Um, I started reading other Bible Bible study um, books and guides and things like that. Ones for marriage. And that is what led to me overcoming depression. It is what led to me saving my marriage. And it is what led to me taking back my life. I even wrote a book about it. Things were so great. <laughs> Things were so amazing. I wrote a book about it. But do you know what I found out after I wrote that book, child? That courage is a lifestyle. Having strength and courage is a lifestyle. It does not get to a place where, okay, I've overcome depression. Okay, my husband and I are in a great place. And I feel fulfilled in the work that I'm doing because I'm doing this entrepreneurship. I've written a book. I'm speaking i'm going to events it's not like yay i've arrived no god is going to take you to another level there are going to be other things that you're going to go through in that marriage with your money in your mindset in your body with these kids you have raised you just don't know what is coming up and there's going to be something there's going to be some type of resistance and so i continued and I still do to this day continue to have this habit of reading and studying my Bible because it's there that I can be reminded of who I am. It's there that I can be reminded of what my assignment is, of who goes before me, who's got my back, who's my covering, who's doing the work out here in these streets. When I hear people saying things, well, it takes two. It do take two. Me and the Lord. Ain't nothing me and the Lord can't do. Nothing is nothing. Is something that needs to be done. Me and the Lord can do it. Okay, me and the Lord can do it. Ain't nothing I can't overcome or come through or survive or whatever without God. That includes uh, reconciliation. People often ask things like, oh, so, you know, don't you think it takes two people to come to the table? I think two people coming to the table certainly makes it easier. But one person coming to the table and God being at that table with that one person makes it absolutely possible. You know, for you to be reconciled. I don't want to be responsible. I don't want to be reasonable. I don't want to be any of those things. All I want to be is obedient. That's it. I want to get in the word and hear what God is telling me and do that thing. People, oh, but you got to be reasonable, but you got to, you know, you got to exercise common sense. I don't want common sense. My uncle said I ain't never had none, no way. <laughs> okay. My uncle already said I never had no common sense anyway. So yeah, I ain't missing it. I don't need to have common sense. I don't need to use any of those things. I need to be obedient and use the wisdom that's found in the word to help me navigate my life because it's in that that I find my hope. My hope is in Christ Jesus. My hope is in 
what the what the power of God can do. It's not in me to change or anybody else changing or what the economy is doing. People saying, oh, well, this is not a good time to do such and such because, you know, people don't have money. No, people have money. My apartment is near the airport and this airplane is flying up and down all the time. People still flying. Okay. People are still traveling. I drive to work. I'm going to work and I see for sale signs on houses going up and down. So people are still buying and selling houses. Everybody is not struggling. I heard it said during the pandemic one time, we are all in the same storm, but we're not all on the same boat. I'm going to say it again. We might all be in the same storm, but we're not all on the same boat. So the economy may be the storm, right? That might be it. But everybody everybody ain't in the tugboat. Somebody's on a yacht. Somebody's on a, you know, I don't know what else is bigger than a yacht, like a naval battleship, I guess. I don't know. That's as far as I can go with that illustration. But we're not all on the same boat. Somebody's on a raft. Somebody only has a, a life jacket. You know what I'm saying? And they're in the storm. So yes, the storm has a great effect on them. But we ain't all in the same boat. And so I can keep that attitude, which I need to keep because I've been called to do a work. And so I know that I've made myself public enemy number one for the enemy. And I'm cool with that. But I need to be in my word every day because that is where I'm reminded of who my hope is in. Uh, no matter what's going on, no matter what kind of um, exchange or encounter we have, maybe it's a great encounter and I'm left feeling wonderful. Maybe the encounter wasn't so great and I'm left feeling like, so I'm still still married to him and this is what we're going to keep doing this, right? I might feel like that, but I come back to the word and I remember that my hope is not in our ability to necessarily get it right on my timeline, but it's in God's ability to reconcile and restore the things that we've torn down with our own hands. And so... I'm always talking about being in the word of God. It's why it's the number one um, offer that I have is courageous discipleship. You know, courageous discipleship was born from my desire to equip women. Men, I take men now too, but it was born with my, it was born from my desire to equip women with the tools of knowing how to study the Bible because I studied my Bible for application and transformation and execution. I needed to get a word from God so I could make a decision about something in my life. And I was still a classroom teacher. I had no plans to be a Bible teacher, faith coach, Christian life coach, pastor, none of that. I did not want to do any of that. I wasn't interested. It wasn't even a thought, actually. It wasn't even. I imagined that it would lead me to a successful life, but that that life would be doing something like normal. I'm not saying ministry is not normal, but in my mind at the time, that's what I thought normal, not church type of stuff, faith, Bible, Jesus type of stuff. No, it's not what I thought I would be doing in any stretch of the imagination. You know what I'm saying? But I was going to the word to get wisdom and to get instruction. And so this is where it led me. And I can honestly say that I love the woman that I've become and that I love my life. And I know that I got here and I'm able to stay here because of how I study my word, because I have a habit of studying, not of reading, 
I never think it's enough either, right? I don't feel like, well, I got that verse, that's enough. I feel like I want to understand it at the deepest level that I can based on, you know, who I am and my own mindset and my own ability to understand the word of God, right? Not just like this surface level. I really want it to be able to go deep. And so that's absolutely been, you know, my greatest flex, I think, you know, becoming the woman who I am today. Um, I listen. I hope that this first episode um, makes you want to come back for more. I will not be the only storyteller for Courageous Overcomers. I have a lineup of so many great, just salt of the earth individuals in various um, areas of life and stages and phases of business and professions that are going to also come and share their story. Um, I'll be interviewing them. They'll be my special guests. They'll share their story of overcoming because no matter how great we look, I'll listen to my, like I heard my bio. I know I sound good and I can see myself in this camera. If, if you don't know, we're on YouTube. Okay. Courage, the courage Molina at the courage Molina on YouTube. Okay. Uh, if you don't know, I'm also cute. So I'm trying to tell you. And I realized that because of the level of success that I have, I've been able to quit my job and all these things and um, generate a certain level of income and, and have a following and, and build it, you know, plan a church and publish a book and all these things that I've been able to do. And then you look at me, it looks like, oh, great. The same is true for all my guests. But what's also true for all of us is that there is something that we had to overcome to get to where we are. And every interview, every story is going to give you some type of tip or habit or uh, principle or routine or practice that you can implement in your life to help you overcome whatever obstacle is keeping you from being exactly who God has called you to be, doing what God has created you to do and taking possession of everything that God has for you, you know? Every single story is going to do that. And so I hope you continue to come back. If you love this podcast, then be sure to subscribe, download, do the rating, screenshot, at your girl, Courage Molina. Um, do all the things, right? I really want you to help us get these stories out. And that means that you're going to have to share and rate. Do you know that you can rate more than one episode too? Just so you know. You can rate every episode you like. You can write a review for every episode that you feel like, oh my goodness, this episode was so amazing, okay? I also want to hear from you. I want you to tell me who would, whose story would you love to hear? I don't care how big they are, how small they are. Whose story would you love to hear on this podcast? Send me an email, courage at couragemolina.com and just put in all caps podcast guests and I'll open the email and I'll check it out. Send me the names. You can send it to me. You can DM me. You can send me people. You just feel like, oh my gosh, she's got an amazing story. He has an amazing story. You should definitely interview them. You know, you should definitely interview them. So I want to hear from you. Let me know whose stories you want to hear and we'll see what we can do to get them on. And uh, before I go, I just want to say this, right? That I'm so excited that I get to do this work. I'm so excited that God has entrusted me with this idea, honestly, 
and this platform to be able to share not only my story and the things that have worked for me, but the stories of countless other people who have said yes to the call in their life and had to fight hell to become who they are. I'm, I don't take it lightly that God has called me to this work. And so I'm excited that you're here now. I like to end every podcast with a statement. I am Courage Molina of the Courageous Overcomers podcast. And I believe the key to courageously overcoming hopelessness is putting your hope in Christ. All right. I love y'all. And I hope y'all love this podcast. Let me know what y'all think. I know this is just the first episode. Just let me know what y'all think. And I'll see y'all next week. Oh, wait, wait. I'm going to be so much better at this. Okay. I want to also tell you, I have a community. There's a community for us. It's on Patreon. It's 100% free. Courageous Overcomers is on Patreon, 100% free. I'm going to be coaching through there. And the coaching is going to be free too. Because what I want you to do is I want you to hear these podcasts. I want you to listen to the step, the practice, the routine, the habit. So like for today, the habit was studying my Bible every day. And I want you to sit down and look at your schedule and ask yourself, how can I implement this in my life? What are the tools, resources, assistance, people that I need in order to implement and execute this strategy? Because I think this might be my missing piece as well. I want you to actively be implementing the suggestions that we give. And it's not really a suggestion, the tools and things that we give here. And I'll be checking in with you and Patreon and seeing if you're doing the work and seeing what your goals are as a result of you overcoming some of the things that have been holding you back. So come to the Courageous Overcomers community on Patreon, 100% free. Join that community, connect with other amazing overcomers who are just like you, who are looking to collaborate in a real way, who are looking to partner in a real way, or just build actual real friendships outside of um, the community, like in real life, calling people on the phone, traveling to see them, you know, that kind of thing. Join the community. You don't want to miss what's going to be going on in there. Assignments, work, growth, transformation all the good things. All right. I love you. Be sure to get in touch with me, connect with me at Courage Molina on everything. I'm at Courage Molina everywhere. So get at me. All right. I love y'all. Thanks. Later.